0: Right, good morning, everybody. Morning, morning. Thanks for being here. My name is Pastor Ryan. Uh, this morning, we're going to be studying the book of John, chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open that up. If you use your phone or your iPad, please do the same. That's how I usually use, get the Bible for my iPad, so make yourself comfortable. John, chapter 11. Um, let's go ahead and start with John, chapter 11, verse 1. And this is what it says Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. So this, it starts out kind of just bland. It just says, hey, a, a man named Lazarus was sick. It doesn't tell us what he was sick with. Was it the flu? Was it something you know exotic like Ebola? We don't know. He was just sick. We, it doesn't give us any in- indication of what his symptoms were, but we do know, if you kind of know the rest of the story, he's on his deathbed. He's very, very sick. The text also tells us he's the brother of Mary and Martha. They were followers of Jesus Christ, as was Lazarus. They were believers, and they're from a town called Bethany. Now I'm one of those when I read the Bible, I kinda it tells me a town. I always look it up. Where is it? I want to see it on Google or whatever. So here's the next slide. Let's go to the next one. Shows us actually. So here's the city of Jerusalem, the temple, everything, and then uh, Bethany is off to the right. So I guess we get left, go out east, and then you go, get to Bethpage, take another right, and it takes you right there. So it's about two miles from the city of Jerusalem. It's very close. Okay, that just gives you an idea of where we're talking about. The other thing I want to point out as we get started is, we know how this story goes. Anybody heard of the story of Lazarus before? You can raise your hand, right? Don't, if you haven't, don't tell your neighbor if they don't know how it goes, right? We know how it ends. The people in this story have no idea what is about to happen none of it right and the other thing that's interesting if you follow Jesus and the miracles that he's done in the story so far he has done six miracles what's about to happen is going to be number seven so he's walked on water he turned water into wine he fed 5,000 people he's done a, he's healed a bunch of people right he's already knocked a few things right out of the park he's doing great nobody in history up to that point, including himself, had bar- brought somebody back from the dead, right? So every time Jesus does something, every miracle, of like, what, that's amazing. No one had any idea that was even possible. This next thing that's going to happen is going to go through the roof. It's even farther beyond the realm of possibility, right? Every time the people were there around him, and this is the other way to think of it, we know what happened. We know what Jesus did with the water into wine. At that wedding, there were none of the disciples were going, you know what, Watch. Peter, twenty bucks, says he does it. Ready? Ready? Watch. Didn't happen. When they were in the boat on the water and a storm was coming up, and they were scared. Not one disciple said, "Everybody chill. I bet Jesus is going to be walking up here in about thirty seconds." Watch. Nobody had any idea what was about to transpire. Right? Also, when we're going to see when Mary Martha called for Jesus to come to Lazarus' side, we're going to watch the text. They want Jesus to get there quickly. There's a time frame he needs to get there. They've seen him do some things. This looks like it's in that ballpark, but even for that to work, he's gotta get there fast. Why? Because there's even a limit to what they think Jesus can do, right? So let's get back to our story because it's gonna unfold and some big stuff's gonna happen. So we're gonna look at verses uh, three and four. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said this sickness will not end in death no it's for god's glory so that god's son may be glorified through this now we don't know from the text did martha and mary send for jesus because they specifically wanted him to heal jesus it doesn't say that or did they just want jesus to know he was sick because they were very close that is common you know we do that now hey if someone's in this if someone one of our friends that we know is in the hospital what do we do we notify friends and family so they can pray for him all that kind of stuff But we can kind of assume they had already seen Jesus do some pretty cool miracles, heal somebody. Why wouldn't he want to do one for the home team, someone he knows, right? But regardless, we know that Jesus, his response, he says, Lazarus' death will not end in death. Now those are five words to the story. These are key to why we need to trust in Jesus Christ when he speaks. He may say things, he may call us to do stuff that doesn't make sense in our mind. We may not understand what's possible, but we have to remember Jesus is not bound by what we think is possible. He's not bound by what the people in the story think is possible, right? Now, a lot of times when I have uh, conversations about faith, and I love this, this is one of the things I love doing with as a pastor, when I talk to people, what do you believe? What do you know? And so when someone says they believe in Jesus Christ, and if they're going through something difficult, I say, do you believe that Jesus walked on water? Do you believe, this isn't a test, what do you believe? Yes. Do you believe he raised Lazarus from the dead? Yes. Do you believe, as the Messiah, he rose from the dead? Yes. Then he can help you with whatever you're going through. I don't have a clue what that's going to look like, and neither did the disciples. But we just need to trust him, right? And that's what we're going to see. Now, what's interesting is we don't know where Jesus was when the message gets to him. He was probably near a place uh, where John the Baptist had been baptizing, which is about uh, 20 miles away. And the message likely took a couple days to reach him, right? That Lazarus was sick. But the truth is, once the message gets to him, Lazarus has already passed away. Now, it's really important because Jesus talks about how he's going to be glorified with what's going to happen, right? Again, we knew he performed several miracles. People had seen him do this stuff. But what's going to happen next is far beyond it's just even bigger bigger by far right and the other thing is think about it like this when Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick what if he got on a horse like in the movies and just took off right and he got there at Lazarus side healed him before he died that just would have been one more person he healed he'd already done that right it's like you know he already knocked a Homer what's one more right this is different right everything he's going to do is going to be at the next level now let's look at the next verse verse 5 because this one kind of seems out of place from the story but it does kind of matter verse 5 now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus now the reason I want to focus on this and this is the reason why it's in there is that this verse is proof that believing in Jesus Christ really believing him and in their case they had a relationship with him they knew him face to face right they had a real relationship Even having that does not guarantee bad things are ever going to happen. Because what's about to happen to Lazarus? He's going to die. His family is going to have a funeral for him. His family is going to bury him in a tomb. And he still knew Jesus face to face. Right? It still happens. This is a big deal. So please, please, whatever you're going through in life, or whatever your family or friends, as you talk about faith, understand that Jesus is the Messiah regardless of what is going on around you or how you perceive your luck to be going. God may very well be letting you walk through that to help you in your faith or to help others around you. Now here's what's interesting. This is the way I like to think of this stuff. When I read this thing, do you, what do you think, what if Jesus went up to Lazarus before he ever got sick? He said, listen, just go with me. What if you die young, your family has a funeral for you? They go through all of that, it's gonna be terrible. They're gonna bury you in the ground. But later on, I'm gonna bring you back. Are you cool with that? (laughs) I mean, let's be honest, that's what happened, right? How many people be like, dude, sign me up, Jesus. I'm there. How many people would be like, yeah, I want my family to go through that. Or how many people like, no, choose somebody else. Is there something else I can do, right? But this is why the story is in there. If Jesus is your Messiah, if you believe that he is who he says he is, you're a disciple and you want the world to know, and he came to you and he said, listen, you're going to die young, but through your death I'm going to reach millions of people. For the next several thousand years people are going to know your name. And because of what is going to come through you people will believe and know I'm the Messiah. Do you trust me? As a disciple how many people would go, I trust you. This is why the story is in the Bible. This is why it's there. How many people would let themselves be used that way? How many of you would let yourselves be used that way? See, and this this question is the big divider, right? There's people that go to church because they go to church. That's what you do. And there's people that go to church because they're disciples. Because remember, when Jesus sent the disciples out, he never said, hey, go and fill those pews. Woo! Right? Regular churchgoers, that's what we want. What did he say? Go and make what? What word did he use? Disciples. Disciples is a very specific word. It means you believe he's the Messiah and you want other people to know the same. And you will be used in that. And that's what this comes from. That's why we're here. So let's get back to our story. Verses 6 through 8. This is where it really gets interesting. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for how long? two days and then he then he said to his disciples let us go back to judea and the disciples were like but uh rabbi a short while ago the jews there tried to stone you and yet you want to go back so look at this when jesus heard lazarus was sick he did nothing for how long i've worked in the emergency department i was a director i was a flight nurse i flew in a helicopter You don't wait two days for anything. That's not a good idea. You know what happens when you wait two days when somebody's sick? You have a lot of funerals. But put yourself, if you were nearby, let's say you weren't even a disciple, you were just, you know, you're one of their friends, or you're you're hanging out and they're having this conversation. Someone runs up, Jesus, Lazarus, that guy, you know, he's sick, he's dying, his family sent me here. They wanted you to know. Okay, they want you, they need you there. And Jesus did what? Day one, nothing. Day two rolls around. And we know watches hadn't been invented yet, but that still would have been, Jesus would have knew what you're talking about, let's be honest. Nothing. How many people would go, Jesus, you're slipping. You're, this is your job, right? He's not going to get better. How many people could relate to that line of thinking? You're in church, so don't, you know. The reason we do that is because we all have this in our mind of what the Messiah is supposed to do. You know, right? And if he's not doing it, we know better than him. The Messiah, in popular culture, he's supposed to help people, Right? He's supposed to stop all wars, all injustices. Nobody should ever get cancer or die young. He should solve worldwide hunger. He's supposed to prevent all evil from ever happening. And if he doesn't, he's not doing his job. I have talked to people that have that belief. There's a lady I worked with. I don't know her. I don't work here in town. I work somewhere else. And she got baptized. And she said, I got baptized and my uncle still got sick. Can you believe that? And I'm like back the hospital up (laughs) who told you that we have this i've talked to people who are atheists they say i don't believe because childhood cancer who told you that but we have this idea the truth is though jesus was sent to save us from our sins To save us, to draw people to him, to understand that he's the Messiah. That's why he's here. This is the reason why he delayed going to see Lazarus. Again, if he simply got on his horse and raced there and saved him, it would have been what? Just one more person. He'd already saved. Jesus came to show that he was the Messiah. The other reason that he waited this long was there was a common belief back then that when you died, your soul hung out near the body for three days. So for three days you were dead, but your soul was still there. So Jesus was going to wait long enough that the soul was gone. It wasn't just the body was dead. The soul, he was going to do something that was like, what? That's why he waited that long. His point was that everybody, and I mean everybody, even the naysayers, the non-believers, would be like, wait, rethink everything here, right? He was going to blow off the roof for everything that was possible, even for him. But, if you remember from the text, interestingly, the disciples have no concern. They don't even get, they're not even there yet. What are they worried about? Uh, That area we walked through, people were just trying to stone you to death. Are you sure you want to go back there? Right, they're all like, yeah, we like Lazarus too. But all for hoping he gets better they're going to stone you again, try to stone you if you walk through there. Remember, just so we know, that means they're picking up large rocks and throwing it at him until he's dead. That's a horrible way to go. But Jesus wasn't concerned with the risk. He wanted to be there in person. And remember, it, it, he, could, he could have healed Lazarus from a distance if he wanted to, right? There's actually a precedent. He's done that before in Luke chapter 7. He heals a, a centurion servant from a distance. He's not even there. So he could have done this from a distance. But what would happen? No one wouldn't even know it was him. Maybe Lazarus wasn't even sick. It was all like was a long, it's a hide and go seek game that just went too far. Right? But he wanted to show two things. Number one, God had a plan for him, and as a Messiah, no one was going to stop him, even people that wanted to stone him to death. He was going to go regardless. The other thing Jesus was going to do is when he went there in person and does what he was sent to do, it was going to be in your face. It was going to be undeniable, and that's what was going on. So let's see what happens next. Uh, John eleven nine uh, to 10. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. So his response, he's telling the disciples that God has given them all the time that they need to accomplish what he set them out to do. They will be taken care of. And even more than that, because he is the Messiah, he is the light of this world, he will give them all the light they need, all the direction, their path will be laid out for them. It's a really beautiful beautiful message. But also in the statement is there's a little hint of his death that's coming where there will be no light will be darkness. And as disciples, they will be scattered. They will run and hide. They will be scared. But our story continues, verses 11 to 15. It says, verse 11, After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. And Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So there's a couple things that are happening here. Number one, Jesus, he he says, well, Lazarus is asleep. He's talking about spiritually. And if he's sleeping, he's going to get better. So the disciples say, well, okay, great. He's sleeping. He's going to get better. When you're sick, what do you do? You crawl in bed, curl up, have some chicken soup, and you get better, right? But it shows the disciples have no grasp of what's actually going on. They don't have any idea what's about to transpire. So Jesus just says quite plainly, he's died. He has passed away. And then he says something interesting. He says, for your sake. He's talking about his disciples. For your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. So that you will believe now that's a strange statement and some people get a little confused when they read that Jesus isn't saying he's glad Lazarus passed away he's saying Lazarus passed away but for your sake I'm glad we weren't there because what's about to happen is going to increase your faith exponentially and this is a unique statement from Jesus because there's not a lot of times in the New Testament where he's so blunt about what's going to happen to the disciples and their faith I mean, literally, on Tuesday, they're worried about getting stoned to death, and I don't think we should go back. And then the next day, they go, Lazarus comes back, and now what? Their faith is through the roof. And that's specifically what he's referring to. You guys are going to see this, and it's going to just be truly amazing. Let's continue verses 16 and 17. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. And on his arrival jesus found that lazarus had already been in the tomb for how long very specific time frame he did not rush there so verse 16 is actually a little bit of a quandary in a small way because thomas also called didymus he says let us all go that we may die with him now we can't tell exactly from the text did he mean let's go and die with lazarus because if we go that way jesus to get stoned to death so we may might as well die like lazarus or did he mean Jesus is our leader, let's go with him, and if he gets stoned to death, we need to die with him, right? It doesn't specifically say, but most scholars think th- Thomas is talking about Jesus. And it really, if you think about it, Thomas in his history later on, doubting Thomas, when Jesus comes back from the dead, Thomas is the one who's like, me. Yeah, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I need to put my hands in there. I don't believe it. But in this particular point in the story, he's the one with the most amount of faith. He's saying, Jesus, he's our leader. If this is what's going to happen to him, if this is going to be his end, we're going to be right there with him. So that's really cool, right? And also it talks about his other name being Didymus. Didymus just simply means twin. So it's likely Thomas had a twin sibling, but there's just no information in the text about who that is, man, woman, if they believed in Jesus Christ or not. But again, verse 17 says, after they arrived to that area, Lazarus had been dead for four days. And again, the reason Jesus waited that long is because they believe the soul remained near the body for three days. So they arrived after that point. Now the story goes, this is where I really love this story. The story goes that after Jesus arrives to this place, Martha comes out to see him face to face. And when she gets face to face with him, she makes a statement that Jesus can do great things, but even with him there's limitations. And so this is really cool. That in their mind, once once death had closed that door, even Jesus couldn't open it, right? But let's read about it. Verses 21 to 24. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know. I know he will rise again in the resurrection the last day so imagine for a moment Martha's state of mind imagine imagine her composure when she meets Jesus because I don't think we give her enough credit in this as again put yourself there how do you think most people would respond to Jesus you sent somebody there to go get him while your brother was sick he'd cured people of diseases you know this he cured people he didn't know strangers People who hadn't given up for him, given up their life, traveled for him, put themselves at personal risk to be his follower. And he didn't arrive in time, even though he could have. How do you think most people would respond? You, sir, have some explaining to do. Right? You could tell me nobody would say that. Nobody would have done that. He could have saved him. Would they accuse him even in their mind, of not being enough of the Messiah, right? Right, again, because we have this idea of what the Messiah is supposed to do. And he doesn't appear to do anything for your own brother. That would have been a difficult conversation. That would have been tough. And that would have been reasonable for the average person. But how does she actually respond? Let's look at those words. First, she calls him Lord, Lord. Nothing has changed for her. He is still the Messiah. He is still her Lord. Next, next she's honest with him. She says, listen, if you had been here, he would not have died. Notice, she's not blaming him. She's just simply stating a fact. This shows she's aware that Jesus has a greater calling. And that supersedes her brother being sick. She's saying, listen, there may have been a perfectly good reason why you weren't here in time. And I trust that. She's not even asking him, hey, what gives? Right? She's not blaming. She's not like, hey, listen, you better have cured like 10 kids of cancer. I mean, like, did your chariot have a flat tire at least? Give me a, throw me a bone. Something. She didn't say anything. She didn't even go there, did she? But she says, I know God will give you whatever you ask. Which means, she knows jesus is not like anybody else and he responds your brother will rise again to which she says i know I, he will rise again at the resurrection now from her response we can guess she still doesn't quite understand or think that jesus can do this that's within the realm of possibilities because that would have been hey, the perfect time to bring that up right but this is where jesus brings it home and i mean really brings it home But keep in mind, as we read Jesus' response, look for the reason why he's going to do what he's going to do. Look for the reason why this is even happening. It's verse 25. 25 to 27. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will what? Never die. What does he ask her? Do you... Believe this. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now, this is just fantastic in every way. This is one of the best responses Jesus ever gets from a a question like that. And it's awesome for a lot of reasons. First, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He's not saying, I have some special knowledge. I alone have this key that unlocks the door. He's saying, I am the resurrection. I am the way. And that by believing in him, you receive this. And he says explicitly in verse 26, whoever believes in me will never die. And of course, he's talking about eternal death. We know that one day our earthly bodies will give out. We will breathe our last. But those who believe in Jesus Christ at that moment will then be in heaven, face to face with Jesus where there is no pain, there's no sorrow. And that is the message. And as Jesus t- is telling us to Martha, he's testing her in a way. He's stating his true purpose and giving her a chance to admit her faith in spite of what big fact? Her brother is still dead in the grave. He hasn't even addressed that point, has he? It's just this big nugget still hanging out there. What's he focused on? Do you believe this in spite of this? That's huge. Do you believe I'm the resurrection? Do you believe in the face of this world that's accusing me and thinking I'm not doing my job? Do you believe in me? And what's her answer? Yes. I believe that you are the Messiah. You are my Lord, the Son of God, the one who is to come. You see, that statement is why Jesus waited more days. That's why he took so long. He didn't come here to do miracles. He came to save us. And if he could do a miracle that focused people on him, he would do that. If if people only wanted a miracle and weren't interested in who he was, he wouldn't do it. That wasn't what it was about. And in this case, Jesus was using Lazarus to focus everything on him. That's the point. That's the question. And that's why I'm about to ask you guys a question, the same one he asked. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Is he your Messiah? In spite of whatever good or bad is happening in your life. And again, having worked in emergency in the emergency department in critical care, bad things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, and everybody in between. That's just part of life. Good things happen. Do you believe? That's why we're here. If your answer is yes, then today is an amazing day. And when you die, whenever that day comes, is the day you will see Jesus face to face when you leave this earth. And you will be in heaven forever. That is awesome. If you don't have an answer to that, if you've never been asked that question, if you don't know how to answer that question, we're going to say a prayer in a minute, and I'm going to give you that opportunity. All you have to do is say what I say. Whatever you say is between God and you. There is no test. I'm not going to ask you. You're not going to stand up and we're here for you. But we are disciples and we believe in Jesus Christ and our message to the world is He is the Messiah. And it is our wish that everyone knows that and trusts in Him and believes in Him. Let's pray together. Father, I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. I believe. He died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that you raised him from the dead. And today I ask Jesus to come into my life and to make me new. I ask him to forgive me, to save me, and to guide my steps for the rest of my life. And Father, today I also ask for strength in tough times. I ask for faith to trust you when I can't see the road ahead. I want to trust and I want to lean on you above all things. I thank you for this life that I have. I thank you for the church. And most of all, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to save me. In his name I ask all these things. Amen.